Hi, everybody. This is Love Him, Love Them with Linda Gunner, where we give hope, touch lives, and change hearts. How to pray and get what you pray for. I'm so excited because tonight is one of the very first nights that we're adding videos. So if you can see me, you'll see I have on my thankful shirt, my love him, love them thankful shirt. And if you're on here with YouTube or on our podcast and you can respond back to me, I want you to let me know if you have a thankful shirt. This is one of the amazing things that we do for Thanksgiving uh, and for all of our volunteers. We have a different shirt every Christmas, every Thanksgiving that we use. And our volunteer shirt, see how cute it is. It has our amazing logo on it and it's very, very colorful. has all of our super, super sponsors on the back. I should wear my... I should wear the t-shirt backwards so everybody can see who the sponsors are. Uh, but welcome to Love Him, Love Them. We are in a 10-part series. Oh, my goodness. So if you do not like to pray and you do not like to get what you pray for, you just don't listen for the next four weeks, right? Because that's what we're talking about. But if you do want to figure out how to pray and get what you pray for, go back. If you haven't heard the first five uh, from this series, you need to go back, go back, go back, go back to the podcast. So the Love Him, Love Them podcast or the Love Him, Love Them YouTube channel will have these first five on here. And uh, listen, if we're going to take the time to pray, <laughs> we might as well do it in a way that we can get what we pray for, right? Uh, so tonight is part six. Listen, um, I also want to encourage you to reach out to us for prayer. So if you feel like, hey, I need some people to come alongside of me. I mean, I know there are times in my life when I couldn't pray if I wanted to pray. All I could do is sit around and groan, right? I need it, Things that happen are so ridiculous that I need help. So we have a 24-hour prayer team. Uh, with miracles constantly happening. It's really unbelievable. And you can reach out to us through our website, lovehimlovethem.org. Uh, if you have a specific prayer request, we'd love to hear from you there or email us, Linda at lovehimlovethem.org. Either way, any of those ways. Um, also, oh, one more thing, just want to let you know this. We are on Clubhouse. Uh, so if you're listening and you happen to be on Clubhouse, every Monday and Friday morning from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock, we have a prayer room. Uh, there's 892 members, I think, in that prayer room uh, that come in, uh, and it's called Prayerpreneurs. So we partner up with another organization. It's for entrepreneurs. Technically, it's supposed to be for uh, women entrepreneurs who need prayer, but all kind of people, all kind of people are in there. So since we're talking about prayer, just wanted to make sure that you knew we do have those couple of avenues of prayer, and we'd love for you to join us. Okay, so let's talk about how do you pray and get what you pray for. That's what we want to know. Uh, so far, I'm just going to real, real quick go through a couple of things that we've talked about. Mostly all we've talked about so far is how to approach God in prayer. One was we had to renounce our own will. Another one was that we had to approach God in faith with a personal confidence in him. The other one, the third one was we had to pray in the name of Jesus, which sometimes when I hear people pray, I think they're like just hashtag. <laughs> It sounds like I'm a hashtag Jesus name in the name of Jesus, but there's a whole part to that. So it's a little bit more than a hashtag. And then the other one was that we need to enter God's presence with worship, praise, and thanks. All right. So that was how to approach God. Now we're going to go past how we're supposed to approach God. And we're talk. We're going to talk about, this is a big word for me, some elements that are needed to make a complete and a successful prayer. Okay. The first element of a successful prayer. And I'm going to, you know, that little story about the glass, my glass is, is black, so you can't see through it, but where you can either look at the glass half empty or half full. 
we're going to look at it from both a positive side and a negative side. Positively, it can be said that the element we need is we have to approach, we have to be coming with confidence. Negatively, we can say it in a way that it's without condemnation. That's also that's a big big word for me. Basically, it's like it's two opposite sides of the same coin, right? Positive will be with confidence. Negative would be without condemnation. Condemnation will always undermine confidence. I'm going to look at, I want you to uh, look at some scriptures with me that uh, highlight this and basically talk about this aspect of successful prayer. First is Hebrews 4.12. I don't hear any pages turning. Are you turning your pages? (laughs) Hebrews 4.12. Let us then approach God's throne of grace. How? With confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Right there, one verse gives us two reasons why we can have this kind of confidence. First, we're praying to somebody who is on a throne, right? What does the throne indicate? A throne indicates a king. Not merely a king, but this is the king, right? This is the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the supreme ruler of the universe. Do you realize that's who we're talking to when we're praying? This is the one who said, all authority is given to me on heaven, in heaven and on earth. We're praying to someone who has both the authority and the power to do what we ask. That I mean, there's not much better person that we can reach out to, right? It's like going to the top. And the person that we're asking is sitting on a throne. We can lift ourselves from our own needs and our problems, and we can just look up to that glorious throne. And the other part that it tells us in that verse is it's a throne of grace. Grace is always more than we deserve or earn. Grace is one of the key words in the New Testament, and it always stands for something that goes beyond anything that we can ever earn or achieve by our own efforts. Why? Because it's a throne of grace. We're not limited to what we deserve. Praise God, I don't get what I deserve. Sometimes I feel like I want to give some people what I think they deserve, but I'm so grateful and thankful that I don't get what I deserve. Or to what we, we don't even think about what we can achieve or what our own efforts can accomplish for us. So if you, as you come in prayer, you need to remember you are coming to a throne, not just a throne, but a throne of grace. Just in this same verse here, Hebrews 4.16, it tells us the second reason why we can come with such confidence is because we've been invited, right? God has invited us to come. God invites us that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. One of the things we need to be conscious of in our Christian lives is that we stand in need of the mercy of God. I think some of us don't think we need any mercy. Some of us think that we are so uh, walking on the red carpet. We are just doing exactly what we need to do. We are so righteous that we don't need it. But this scripture encourages me to believe that if I ever come for mercy, mercy is what I will receive. I believe the reason some people do not receive mercy is simply because they don't see their need of it. And when they don't see their need of it or they don't come in faith to receive it, they don't even ask for it, right? 
And then the same verse says, we are to come for help in time of need. We can't look at the circumstances that we're in and say, well, this situation is just too great. The problem is just so great. There's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing anybody else can do about it. There's nothing that can be done about it because it is just a time of need. The time of need is when the problem is great. The time of need, that's when God does invite us to come, right? I want to read the verse again. Hebrews 4.16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, sometimes, uh, um, especially on a lot of those prayer calls, and I know some of you are like, I ain't getting on that prayer call because she always talking about people on the prayer call. But that's okay. If you call in, I'm not going to say a word about you. Um, th- it's like their lives are in such a hot mess. Do y'all know? Oh, I don't have that Bible with me. Do you know that I have that engraved on the um, front of my new Bible? I had to get a new Bible because I lost my other Bible. I didn't lose my other Bible. I left it at a church that I spoke at, and I called that church, and I told them I left it at that church, but they told me I didn't leave it at that church. And then two weeks later, they did find my Bible. So look, for those of you who are who can see this, I want you to see this. is so cute. So I wrote, if found, <laughs> in the front of my Bible, if found, please return to, oh, and then I've got my name, my address, and my phone number. Um, but my new Bible on the outside, I got it engraved, and it says, it says my name, Linda Gunner, fix a hot mess. Because a hot mess, when your life is in a hot mess, that's when you need the miracle, right? I mean, you don't need a miracle when, every, when your marriage is amazing and you're, you've got your job and your children are wonderful and everything is fabulous. That's not a time of need. That's a, that's a great time, right? But for some reason, we feel like when we're in such a hot mess and a great time of need, we're like, it's just it's just too far. I'm going to hear it all the time. It's just too far gone. I, I had this conversation last week with somebody about their marriage. Oh, I said I offered free marriage counseling. My husband and I are nuthetic uh, biblical counselors. I offered free marriage counseling because they said, oh, we don't have the we don't have the money to do the counseling. I was like, oh, it's no problem. We'll do that. Oh, it's too far gone. It's, it's too far gone. We can't do anything about it. That's not what the Bible says. Remember. It's a throne of grace, and we have been invited. And if we come on the basis of that invitation, God will not turn us away. Look at Hebrews. A lot, a lot of stuff about prayer is in Hebrews. Look at Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. A call to persevere in faith. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have, here's our word again, confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance, there's our confidence again, that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So look, confidence and full assurance, all of that suggests boldness. It's all boldness. I mean, I always talk about Merlonda. I just hung up with her right before I called. She's um, (laughs) wanting some sausage to cook tonight with her rice. Uh, But she is so bold. You know, I mean, even just now, she's like, are you sure you got the right sausage? Are you sure that that's the spicy kind? I mean, she she has no problem coming to me uh, with boldness because she knows she trusts me. She knows she has the same relationship with me that we need to have with our Heavenly Father. Boldness and the boldness that we are able to have with our Heavenly Father. And the reason for that is because the blood of Jesus has been shed on our behalf. (laughs) It was for us. 
It's been sprinkled in the very presence of God, and the blood is now speaking on our behalf, even when we don't know how to pray. You know, both of these verses in Hebrews, it tells us, let us. That's really important because first, it tells us that we have a decision. And second, it's a decision that's made by more than one person. Sometimes we need God in a way that we have to come to him, just like I was saying earlier, with more than just ourselves, Um, our home group. If you don't have a home group, you need to have a home group. If you don't have a group of people, um, like our prayer team, if you don't have a group of people, you need to get a group of people. If you can't get a group of people, you need to join. I've already given you two offers for two different groups of people, not just as an individual, but as a member of a body with the whole body praying together with us. All right, so I told you there was a positive side and there's a negative side. The positive side is that we are to approach God with confidence. The negative side is that we do not come with condemnation. You know what? I'm just sitting here now, right now thinking about Merlanda because it's the same thing. You, the condemnation does mess up the confidence, right? Because if she's done something wrong and she feels condemned or she feels shame or uh, she knows she was wrong, it's basically condemnation. She'll wait till I'm asleep and come in where she can half talk to me uh, or her voice gets much, much quieter or her head's down a little bit. Or did you did you remember Mommy Linda to sign this bad grade? I mean, it's, it's really true. The, but the Bible says that we need to be free of condemnation. Psalm 66, 18. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So if we search our own heart, and doubt, if I doubt my own standing before God, you know, I mean, I hate to keep bringing her up, but really that's what it is. She doubts her standing with me because she knows she's done something wrong. And if we question whether or not we're really forgiven, that's when we start to doubt God's mercy. That's when we start to doubt God's grace, which he's the one who invited us to receive it. So you have to start to think just about what have I done? What what is the devil permitted to remind me of? Why is he's permitted to remind me of the bad things I've done? But what where does that come from? That comes out of my own failures and out of my weaknesses. And if the devil can once get me to focus on myself and my weaknesses and my failings in my own life, then that's where we lose our confidence. That's where we absolutely then do not approach God with confidence. You know, in Psalms, we just talked about it. It says, if I regard wickedness, if I regard sin in my heart. So the bottom line is this. We're not to look at ourselves, right? We are to lift up our eyes. You know, that lift up our eyes to the hills. Lift up our eyes to that throne of grace. We have to realize we are not coming to God based on anything we've done, not on our own righteousness. You know, that's the problem. When we, when we come to God, we don't, we don't know the word of God well enough to realize it doesn't have anything to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. I mean, Jesus Christ died a criminal's death on the cross for me, for my healing, for my sins, that I didn't do anything for that. And when we can finally grasp that part of it, you know, that's why there's not boldness. That's why there's not confidence because people are coming based on what, what they have to offer and they don't have anything. They don't, there's no impact or part that they've done on that. 
Another psalm, he says, Lord, hear me according to your righteousness and your faithfulness. That's the part, if we can, if we can grasp that and realize it's not my righteousness, it's not my faithfulness, it's, it's, that's not the basis for my confidence, but it's God's righteousness and God's faithfulness, and that gives us a lot of basis for our confidence. You know, here it comes again. First John, first John 3, 21 through 22, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, that's when we have confidence before God and we receive from him anything we ask. So do you see how important this is? You know, people wonder all the time, why am I praying and I'm not getting what I'm praying for? And yet you see, we've already done five weeks worth of things that tell us you got to do this to do this. I'm not telling you it's a formula, but what I am telling you is there are certain things that it says just like this. Because we we read the part that says we can receive from him anything we ask. It says I can get anything I ask. But what does it say before that? If your heart does not condemn you, that's when you have the confidence. And that's then the confidence, what? It's before God. It's in God. And then it says receive from him anything we ask. So we're the ones that have to get rid of the condemnation in our hearts. That's, that's on us. And it says any attitude that thinks that we have, this, this is the part I think that where this condemnation comes from, because we think we have some kind of righteousness. But if we have any attitude that thinks that we have some kind of righteousness or some kind of claim to ourselves that we can approach God, and that always results in us approaching him without full confidence because There's nothing ultimately in ourselves. We don't have any righteousness. We don't have anything in ourselves to be confident in. And and it cannot be based on us. Am I making that clear enough? I mean, I, I, I feel like I just keep saying it and saying it and saying it. But that really is where we get to is that people think I'm not good enough. Uh, do you know what I did last night? I have a really good friend. She's actually in the room with me now. She just did an amazing weekend uh, this weekend. It's called Kairos. Lots and lots of planning, lots and lots of effort, lots and lots goes into it. Um, but they go then into the prisons. And there, if you want to find a place full of people that have shame and regret, that's one good place. You can also find that every Sunday morning in church. There are people there also full of shame and regret. But then Satan wants to use that tool to say, you're not good enough. What in the world makes you think? I mean, the voices, and, and I hear people say all the time, but if I'm full of the Holy Spirit, how how can Satan have any effect on me? Are you kidding me? He talked to Jesus, <laughs> right? I mean, if Satan's going to come and try to discourage and dismantle and steal, kill, and destroy from Jesus, I, I'm, I'm here to tell you he's coming after you, because especially if you're a child of God. That's when he wants to distract you. That's when he wants to frustrate you. So he wants you to feel shame. He wants you to feel guilt. And he wants you to think that you're not righteous enough. And so, so many people that do pray, there is such a timid, timid, uh, not reverence, I'm not talking about reverence, but such a timidness that they feel like they're not worthy enough to literally ask God and come in the boldness and the confidence that they need to because they're they're misled. They think it has to do with something that they've done, something that, uh, that they're good enough to be able to 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 come before God. And that's just not what it is. So we have to come to a place 
that we do not allow our heart to condemn us. How, how do you do that, right? How do you come to a place that we are not trusting in our own righteousness? How do you come to a place where you're not trusting in your own wisdom? How do you come to a place where instead you're trusting in God's faithfulness? And that is what gives you the confidence. You know, in Romans 8, 1, and we, you know, sometimes I think it's, I don't want to say it's a bad thing to memorize scripture, but you know how sometimes you memorize certain scriptures and then you say them so much, you say them so much, you say them, it's like a song. You just sing it so often that you don't really pay attention to what it means. And Romans 8, 1 is that for me. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Okay. But if there's really no condemnation, then what we're talking about here with the flip side of the coin is if our hearts are not condemned, we should be full of confidence to come to Jesus Christ. The whole rest of that chapter in Romans 8, Paul continues to discuss the life that is filled and that is controlled by the Holy Spirit. And do you know that if your life is filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit, you get a blessings and a benefit package? <laughs> do you know there is a huge benefit package that we get from this life when we are filled with the Holy Spirit? But the beginning of that verse in Romans 8, it talks about the type of life. How does it start off? No condemnation. It says that to have this spirit-filled life, we can't live in condemnation. And that really all goes all the way back to one of our very first parts of this series when we were talking about how to pray and get what you pray for. And it was, how do we approach God when we pray? And that is, is that we come in the name of Jesus. And when we come in the name of Jesus, guess what? That takes all of our attention off of our own lives. If we're praying in the name of Jesus and what he's done for us, then we should not be concerned with our righteousness. Our attention should not be on our own lives. Because we come in the name of Jesus, and when we do that, we believe what? That our sins have been forgiven <laughs> and that we are accepted by God as his children. So we come as his, you know what? I think that's why I just keep using my daughters in this because they are children. They come to me. She comes to me as my daughter, not as a beggar, not as somebody on the street begging me for something. And, and that's the way we come to our father. We come to him as his children, not as a beggar. That's what pleases God. That's how he wants us to come. He wants us to come boldly. He wants us to come in confidence. He wants us to come in a manner that, that we know that he is going to do what we ask because we're asking all the things that we just said. What is his will What in the name of Jesus with boldness, with confidence? You know, there's a story in the Bible. Do you guys know the story of Esther when she came into the presence of the king? Um, this, that story is a hot, that's, that could be a movie in and of itself. It probably is. But there was a time when Esther and her people, and there's a whole book in the Bible called Esther, if you want to know this story. Uh, but she and her people were in a hot mess. Their lives were literally hanging in the air. And at the time, 
she had to get permission from the king. And at that time, the king was her husband. There's a whole story there too, which involves day spas. And I love that story in the Bible. I used to own a day spa and I used to use Esther as an example of how it was a biblical business to own. (laughs) But Esther was not allowed to approach the king without being invited. And she had not been invited. And yet her life and all of her people's lives were hanging in the balance. But she had to speak with him. So she took her life and many other people's lives into her own hands. And after fasting for three days, the Bible says she put on her royal attire and she went into the king's presence and he received her. But you know what? She went in like a queen, not like a beggar. We have to believe that we have received because of his grace And because of his righteousness, if we could ever just get this one part of how important it is to be bold, right? God's promised us so many things, a sound mind, boldness, confidence. When we know what the word of God says and we play out exactly what the word of God says and we're we've got the holy spirit on our side and we've got the word of God on our side and we're coming in boldly and we're coming in confidently people that is the 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 prerequisite to faith <laughs> that's what faith is and God tells us over and over that without faith it is impossible to please him so we've talked about a lot of things about how to pray and get what you pray for But tonight, I want to leave you with this thought. Do I, do I come to, and just, you know, if you've got kids, use your own kids. Do I come to the Lord with boldness and confidence? Or am I so condemned out of sin that's in my life and things that, that I've done that I just don't even feel like I can come to him? So tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this, whenever you're watching this, I want to encourage you to remember, honey. It ain't your righteousness. It just ain't got nothing to do with you. It is because of the blood of Jesus Christ and his righteousness that we have the ability to approach that throne of grace. Remember, that's what he's on. He's on a throne of grace, right? That's what we want our husbands to be on whenever we have to approach them with something that we may or may not have done wrong. We want them on a throne of grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what grace is. I want to thank you for spending some time with us, but I really would love for you to look a little deeper into what we do, and that is with Love Him, Love Them. Our website is www.lovehimlovethem.org. We work in the country of Haiti, uh, where we enter boldly and with confidence many, many times during the year. We'd love for you to come with us to the country. Love for you to join our prayer team. If you don't have anything that uh, you need prayer for, we certainly can fill up your prayer list with things that are happening currently in the country of Haiti. We have orphanages, schools, our hospital. Uh, We love the fact that our hospital was open in the middle of a global pandemic. We are responsible for feeding over 5,000 children a day. So we would love for you to come alongside of us. We also serve here in the uh, country of the United States of America, uh, in the state of Georgia is where our headquarters is, the big city of Royston, Georgia. And so you can come alongside of us with things that we do here stateside for both Thanksgiving, also Christmas, and all throughout the year. Our main focus is on widows and orphans. And that comes from the verse James 1, 27, where God tells us that real religion that 
God himself considers pure and faultless is this, to care for widows and orphans who are in a hot mess. So guys, don't forget, really all you have to do, ultimately, the whole Bible in one sentence is to love him and love them.